It's good to see y'all here today. And you remember last week as uh, I started preaching and in, in, in our sermon last week that I mentioned that the world tries to convince people that there's many different ways to get to heaven. And you recall last week that God showed us in his scripture that his son told us very plainly that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, except through Jesus. But still our world today will try to convince people that ultimately everyone goes to heaven. Now, God makes it very clear that there is no truth in that statement in any shape, form, or fashion. You know, we like to sing the song. Matter of fact, I think we're going to sing it next week. When we all get to heaven, we sing that song. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But we need to know that that song is referring to just those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not to everyone. So maybe we should say when all Christians get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. You know, back years ago when I was growing up and probably when most of y'all were growing up, when teams were competing in sports, there was a team that won and a team that lost. Well, you know today in many kids' sports, they are played and there is no winner. There is no loser. Every participant, you know, no matter who plays, every participant gets a participation trophy. No one really loses and no one really wins and no one gets cut from the team. Now, that may be the easiest route, but that's not necessarily the best route. We all know that there are winners and there are losers and that not everyone is going to make the cut. Well, I tell you that little, little story to say this. In much the same way, society has got to the point where it has convinced people that no matter how they live their lives, that some way, somehow, they're going to get this, this golden ticket that allows them to go to heaven automatically. Well, this belief does not line up with what the Bible tells us. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. So in this case, the easy path is most definitely not the best. So let's begin today and, and let's let God show us the truth. Now, many of y'all are familiar with God's teaching. We're going to be in the seventh chapter of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn to, the, to Matthew, the seventh chapter, and you're going to see if your Bible's like mine, it's all in red because this is Jesus, and this is part of his Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus spoke of a choice people must make. 
Every one of us make, must make one of these two choices that we're going to read about here in just a second. Now, we're going to see, and when you get there, you're go- when we start reading, you're going to, to be very familiar with this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read because we're going to see that we must go through a gate that is small. We must go down a road that is narrow, which is the more difficult way, or this is the two choices that we're talking about, or the other way we go through a gate that is wide. We go down a road that is very broad, which is the easier way. So let's look in Matthew, the seventh chapter. If you have your Bible, let's go there. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. That word straight there means narrow. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight, or how narrow, is the gate. And narrow, that word narrow there means difficult or confined, is the way which leadeth unto life, and a few there be that find it. Now let me stop right there. And the title of this sermon today is going to be, Doesn't Everyone Go to Heaven? You know, that's a question mark. Doesn't everyone go to heaven? Now, what we see Jesus doing here when he starts his teaching, his Sermon on the Mount, if you will, he starts off and he's making a comparison. And he compares the way to heaven or the way to eternal life with God to an entrance through a gate. Now, the reason that he did that was because the people that he was teaching at this particular time, he, he used this illustration of gates because you recall during this time, all the cities had walls around them. And there was gates where you went in. You entered these, these, ancient, these ancient cities. And some of those gates were real wide. And it was the easy way. It was the, the way that a whole bunch of people went through. But away from that, around on the other sides, were little narrow gates that, that were smaller, that just fewer people were allowed to go through. So when Jesus speaks of this narrow gate, he, he is using that to symbolize the elusive nature of the, the, the kingdom of Christ. Entrance through this gate requires that the disciples do the will of the Father. Now, we're going to get back to that later on. We're going to put that on the back burner for just a second, and I'll talk more about that after a while. But this difficult road that he's talking about, it is the hardships. It's the persecution that we go through in our lives right now as we're serving, as we're living our lives 
the way that Jesus wants us to do, that we disciples will face in this life. Now, when you talk about Jewish literature, often in Jewish literature, they use the symbol of a road to represent moral, a moral path. And you remember the Jews, the, the Pharisees, they adhered to the law. They were very strict about keeping every minute detail of the law. And the law was often portrayed as a narrow road that a person should not deviate from in any shape, form, or fashion. So this narrow road that Jesus is talking about that he is portraying probably represents how we should live morally. Now, you also notice that Jesus used the, the, the symbol of the wide gate. And that wide gate is speaking of the fact that hell has an unrestricted entrance, and many will go through that entrance. And I'm going to show you how significant that is uh, as we go further through this sermon and probably what we're going to talk about next week. But this broad load allows travelers pretty much to do what they want to when they want to, to satisfy their worldly desires. So this wide gate is, is the, the easy way, the, the one, one way that many will go because it is so easy. And in doing so, they are rejecting the teachings of Jesus. This broad gate, it might, might be the most popular it might be the easiest, but it's not the road anyone should choose. Here's the problem with the reason I say that in this today, in this world we live in today, far too many people want to take the easy path when it comes to life. How many people do you know that's always looking for a shortcut? They're always looking for the easy way out. Well, let's do this this way. It's the cheapest way we can get to where we want to be. Well, they do, they do pretty much what they want, when they want, how they want. And so that's the reason why it's so easy. But Jesus said what? Jesus said the narrow road is the road we should choose. Yes, it's more difficult. And yes... Not many people will choose it, but yet it's the right road. So, and here's the reason why I say it's the right road, because it's the only one that leads to heaven. It's the only way that we're going to get there. So to get to heaven, you have to search out this narrow gate and, and you have to be willing to give up your worldly ways to follow Jesus and accept the salvation he offers in exchange. So, as I said before, every one of us has to make a choice. Every one of us has to make a choice. All right, let's read some more. Look in verse 15. Notice what Jesus says. He gives a warning here. 
Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they are ra ravening. Ravening. Say that again, sir. Ravening. That means ravenous. Wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Did you get that? You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Y'all see, y'all think I've got the easy job setting up here. All right, now, you have probably seen, have y'all seen that commercial on TV, the flu commercial, where the wolf is going through the hospital with the, the sheep's clothing on, with the sheepskin going through the hospital? That's the exact illustration that Jesus is trying to make in this passage that we just read. False prophets have been around ever since Jesus was, was on the face of the earth doing his ministry. And what we see Jesus here doing is he's warning his followers to beware of these false prophets. Notice what he says. He compared them to wolves that dress themselves up and look like gentle, obedient sheep. Now, what he was telling them, and what I feel like Jesus is telling us as well today, that false prophets, what they want to do is they want to lure us believers from the teaching of Jesus, which is the absolute truth. So this is a warning that is given to anyone who chooses to enter through that narrow gate. Jesus is saying, be careful when you go through that narrow gate and, and don't fall prey to the deceptive ways of the teachings of these false prophets. Because here's the reason why. Not everyone that says they speak for God is telling the truth. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. I'll have more to say about that here in just a second. So, you know, if, if you've ever been around any sheep, sheep follow obediently. Sometimes. I remember one time I was gathering sheep horseback and I got in hope of a pretty good bunch and I went to whooping and and whooping and whooping, trying to get them to go. And instead of going, they were following. And I thought of all the times y'all follow me, this is the time I want y'all to go the other way and get, you know, I think, well, I'm not going to say that. God just made sheep so men learn how to cuss. That's the only thing I, no, I shouldn't have said that. But that's what Jesus is saying. And sheep will follow a being Larry, you ever work in sheep? But... But on the other hand, sheep, Jesus says sheep follow obediently, but yet he's saying these ra ravid, rav, that word wolves, what they want to do is devour anything that they see as a threat. They want to kill anything that they see as a threat. So Jesus says that you will recognize these false prophets, these false teachers, through the fruit that they produce. Now, in other words, you will recognize the false prophets because of the way they live, because of the way they, they, they behave, what their character is. 
True disciples, get this, true disciples produce good works that conform their identity as Jesus' followers. How many times have I told y'all that people should be able to point at you and say, there goes a Christian? Now, we're going to talk more about that here in a minute as well. So, what is the fruit of these false prophets? Their fruit is their false teaching. And we should be able to recognize their false teaching because it does not line up what the Word of God says. It does not line up with Scripture. So all the Pharisees in the day, and that's who Jesus is talking about, these Pharisees, these false teachers, were producing simply clones of themselves. And what was they producing? Bad fruit. Bad fruit. So the test for the prophet of God is this, is whether... Our message lines up with God's word. If our message lines up with scripture, if, if, let me tell you something. If what somebody is teaching does not line up with the word of God, it doesn't need to be followed. It doesn't need to be obeyed. Uh, you know, that's why it is so important. And that's why so many times you have told, I have told y'all that you need to be in the Word of God. You need to know what the Bible says. So if somebody starts trying to feed you a line of bull, you can say, hey, wait a minute. That's not what my Bible says. So for just a minute here, I want you to think about this, this, this message that, that you're hearing. And, and, and in, in this world today, there seems to be an abundance of those who teach things that stand in direct contrast to what Jesus teaches. False prophets, false teachers today have convinced far too many by teaching half-truths of Scripture. In other words, they make their message appealing to people's ears. They want people to feel good about themselves. But yet what they are doing in the process is they are devouring them like that wolf that Jesus warned us about. So just think about some of the message that you hear in mainstream media today and ask yourself, are they half truth? Or do they line up completely with the word of God. And you probably don't have to think too long. You probably don't have to think too hard or too deep to, to, to understand and realize that there are some of the ways that scripture is being twisted in our scripture today. And I could go off on a tangent right now. And I'm not going to. But just I'm going to say it again. Be careful who you listen to. Because I was listening to some big time preachers that were leading big churches. And I never heard them talk about hell. I never heard them use the word sin. How can you be preaching 
the word of God and not talking about them things. How can they, how can they preach the word of God and not talk about redemption? I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm just going to tell you once again to be in the Word, know what the Bible says, so that when you are listening to someone and they're not preaching the Word of God, you don't need to listen to them no more. Amen? Amen. All right, let's read some more. Look in verse uh, 17, I think is where I quit. Even so... Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That word evil is bad. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Underline that. Highlight that. Last week we were leaving here and Joe Boy kept telling me, he says, by their fruits they shall know them. I thought she was going to get around that. Well, Joe Boy, you ain't here and I did. He shouldn't have said it or we wouldn't be having this sermon today. Now, what Jesus is reminding us of here is that good fruit and bad fruit cannot coexist. There's no way. You, 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 every one of y'all has heard the saying, one bad apple spoils the whole barrel. Every one of us has heard that. So in the orchard business, Farmers watch their trees and the performance of their trees. Those that produce fruit will continue to be allowed to live. But those trees that are not producing fruit, Jesus says, need to be cut down and thrown in the fire because they're of no value. And then they are usually a new tree planted there. Now, in, in this particular passage, you notice that Jesus contrasts two different kinds of trees. We've got good trees that produce good fruit. We've got bad trees that produce bad fruit. And talking about the tree that bears good fruit, let's go with that one first. Jesus was referring to a life that has been changed because of faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, that life bears good fruit. You know, so everything that God created reproduces itself. So, so including people. And it's no different when we're talking about things in the spiritual realm. So what Jesus is saying here, he clarifies this for us, that every good tree that bears good fruit, and he stresses that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Remember I told you they can't coexist. In other words, those whose lives 
have been radically changed, dramatically changed by Christ and who are striving to live the life that God intended will reproduce good fruits in others as they live out their lives in Christ. But on the other side, we've got those bad trees that bear bad fruit. Those who reject Christ reject the truth he brings and teaches and will only bear bad fruit. And these two fruits cannot mix. They do not correlate. There's just no way. We saw it in his word. How many of y'all, and I think if I've got my story straight, I think this started down in the Texas Hill Country. But how many of y'all have heard of Oak Wilt? You remember? You remember we used to have all those pretty trees down there and in, in the hill country, and all of a sudden the oak trees started dying. And you remember how it spread? It spread from one to the other to the other. I think if I have my story straight, that they recommend you not even cut those trees down and burn them because that would spread the Bacteria, virus, whatever it was. I, I, don't even, I, I don't even know. But anyway, I tell you that because that's what Jesus is talking about here. The same is true with fruit trees. And Jesus continued talking about that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, he says, needs to be cut down and thrown in the fire. You know, and the reason for this is we don't want that bad tree infecting those good trees that are left in the orchard. So what Jesus is telling these false prophets, these Pharisees, is what he's saying to them that they were only producing bad fruit and they needed to be removed. So their message did not infect the true disciples, the true followers of Jesus. That should make us think for just a second. And you stop and think about it. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Now you think about that. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Look in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils or demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works or miracles work. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That word iniquity there is lawlessness. Now, what I want you to see here, now we get back to those choice that we have to make. We're right back where we started from. Jesus said at the end of that broad road, there will be a day of reckoning. Maybe we should call it a day of judgment. And what Jesus is saying, you remember, Jesus was talking to these false prophets, these Pharisees, saying they produce bad fruit. They need to be cut down and thrown in the fire. Well, when those Pharisees 
and their false teaching and all their followers get to the end of that broad road, that broad path to that day of reckoning, they were going to be denied entrance into heaven. It doesn't matter. Look what Jesus said. It doesn't matter if they've done great works in His name. Those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus won't see heaven. That's what He is trying to get us to see here. Now, I pointed out that word iniquity there. And I said it's lawlessness. In other words, Jesus was saying that, that, that those who practiced this false teaching, that they were, were lawbreakers. That, that, that's what Jesus called those who never really had a relationship with him. They weren't truly his disciples. So what they had done is choose this broad gate, this broad path, the easy way, if you, if you will look at it that way. So those who will be allowed into heaven realize it isn't just enough to believe in the truth of what Jesus taught. They must choose to live their lives the way Jesus wants us to live our lives, and that is to live our lives for Him, to trust our lives in Him. Now, I imagine every one of y'all has got a computer, and y'all probably know how to work that computer. There's a whole pot full of them in my house, and I can't even turn one of them on. But you know when you get on that computer and you want to get to a certain place on that computer, you got to have one of those user words or passcodes or passwords, whatever you call it. And if you don't know that password, you can't get to where you want to get, can you? It just won't. Uh, see, I'm that smart. I know that much. But you can't. Well, what I want you to see here is this. this you, you know, you, you have to have that password to, to uh, get into that app or whatever it is. But if, if you don't have it, you're denied entrance into that application or account. Well, what I want you to say here, and what I'm trying to say is this. Just understanding what a computer can do isn't enough to be able to access the information that's in that computer. Well, in the same way, knowing the access code to eternity has to be learned. Jesus tells us, he's talking about what happens at the end of that broad path, that day of reckoning. Those who just know about him won't be allowed entrance, access to heaven. And here's the thing. There will be people who say they know him. But yeah, they know him, but they never made a decision to live for him. They never had a personal relationship with him, and there will be those who pretend to do things in his name. There will be some who prophesy, who cast out demons, even perform miracles in his name. Big deal. It doesn't matter. All these people 
will be denied access into heaven. And Jesus declares what else? He's going to say, I never knew you. He never knew them because they never accepted him. They never truly had him as their personal savior. So the Bible is telling us, and what Jesus is saying here is that only those people who have been obedient, only those people who have done the will of the Father will be allowed. But remember, we put the will of the Father on the back burner, so now we've got to bring it back up to the front burner. What is the will of the Father? What is the will? It is that everyone comes to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus desires. That's what he wants them to understand and to know. The tragedy is that the majority of people won't realize it until it's entirely too late. That, that they never really knew him at all. You see, hearing something and doing something with what you hear is two different things. It's not the same. So now, I want you to forget about the, 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 the Matthew scripture, and let's go to the Gospel of Luke to the 13th chapter. Luke, the 13th chapter, and I want you to look in verse 22. Luke 13, look in 22. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. I still hear pages turn. Amen. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter in at the straight gate. There's that word straight again, narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, who's the master of the house? God is the master of the house. When God has risen up and has shut to the door and ye begin to stand without or outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are or where you're from. Then shall ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and thy has taught in our street. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are or where you're from. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Now, this is kind of the same thing that we were talking about in Luke, just a little different angle. Now, here for just a second, what I want you to do is I want you to place yourself in this story. Put yourself in this story. Imagine that you're walking with Jesus. You're traveling around and, and with, with the other disciples. You've visited several uh, villages. You've heard Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God and what it takes to be a part of it. 
Now you're coming to this village and someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? You notice what Jesus says here. Notice he does not answer that person's question, but instead what he does is he focuses on making sure that the individual that asked that question is saved. That's what he does. He refers to walking through this narrow gate again, this narrow door. But then you notice that Jesus gets very specific in what he says, what he told the person, that there will be many who won't make it once the homeowner, we established that that is God, has closed the door. When God has closed that door, Jesus comes again, has come again. And that person won't make it. Why? Because of the bad decision that they made. They have no personal relationship with Jesus whatsoever. So after that door is shut, Jesus says many people are going to start knocking, asking God to open it, but to no avail. People will say, Lord, open for us. And he's going to say, what? I don't know where you're from. I don't know who you are. Now, here's a very sobering fact for you. Have you ever stopped to think that there will be more people lost than there will be people who have accepted Jesus as Savior? That ought to get your attention. People will claim, yeah, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard of Jesus' teaching, just like y'all are hearing about it today. But here again, hearing something and doing something with what you hear is two different things. Doing a lifetime of good deeds and going to church on a regular basis will not get you access to heaven. The door will be shut. What a terrible day it's going to be for so many people who believe that they have lived a good life. I bet you you know someone right now. You're thinking about someone now that's a great person that has lived a great life but they've never darkened the door of a church once in their lifetime. They've never established a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because they've been answering all the wrong questions about what to do with this guy named Jesus. Remember, all of us have that decision we have to make. So when it comes to the reality of it all, they've never truly accepted Christ. They've never followed him in obedience. I asked y'all last week, and I'm going to ask you again this week. I may ask you again next week. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But if you die right now, today, are you absolutely sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that you would stand in front of Jesus and be allowed 
in the heaven. You better have a definite yes on your mind. Don't let there be any question in your mind. Make sure, because there will come a point in time where the door will be shut and it will be too late. Remember to live that life, to put your trust, your life, in Jesus' hands. And not just live it, but demonstrate it. Show people, tell people, because there's a whole world full of people that need to hear that story. Make sure that you will get entrance into heaven. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you so much for this time we've had in your house today. Father, we just thank you for your word being proclaimed, Father. And we just ask us, ask you to help us to live our life in such a way that we will produce that good fruit, that people will know that we are your follower, that we are being obedient to you. Father, we just thank you for all your love, your mercy, your grace, the blessings that you give us, Father. We, we just thank you for your guidance and direction, and we just ask that you forgive each one of us where we fail you. Father, I ask that you continue to protect us in this very challenging time. Father, just be with all the folks that are not with us today. A lot of folks we know are sick that are ailing, and we just ask you be with them. All the folks that are on our prayer list that are battling all these different issues, Father, we ask your blessing upon them. We ask your spirit move in their lives that the need be met. So, Father, as we leave this place today, we just ask that you help us be a very bright light in a very dark world. Just watch over us and care for us, Father, and bring us back to your house at the next appointed hour. In your son's name we pray. Amen.